0: the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The
1: Relevant Podcast.
0: And stay in.
2: It's Friday, October 18th, 2019. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, coming at you live from the City of Lights here in Paris, France, Uh, (laughs) over there stateside, back in the U.S. uh, We have our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. Uh, we have also got there in our Orlando studios, uh, the most creative person I've ever met in my oh, entire life. That's a lot. That would, of course, be John <laughs> David Harris. JD, how are you doing? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> and out there in Loveland, Virginia, we're, we're pleased to welcome back to the podcast, uh, my friend Jesse Carey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's like a Jesse, are, you, Jesse. Uh, are you out of practice? Are you? Are you, are you am, just a little I'm rusty? Rusted. Is we'll that get what's to going
0: that. on? We'll get to it. Okay. Well, okay.
2: We'll, we, we got. We're, we got a lot in store for you. Before we get into it, I want to tell you about our sponsor today uh, from Penguin Random House. We'll tell you about Double Blessing in a Day when divine flourishing and godly stewardship have been reduced to a hashtag. Hashtag blessed. New York Times best-selling author and pastor Mark Batterson challenges believers to pursue a greater calling. In his new book, Double Blessing, he shares how the key to be radically increasing your faith, joy, and abundance can be found by simply flipping the blessing. In other words, we become a blessing to others when we recognize how God has blessed us. Pick up your copy of Double Blessing in bookstores everywhere. Got a great show coming up for you today. John Mark Comer is going to be discussing his new book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. Before we get to that, Jesse, you said that you had something you wanted to. This is all I know. Mm -hmm. You said you had something you wanted to address before we get too much into it. We uh, people know this is my second time hosting. Now the reviews were overwhelmingly positive. I'm I'm glad you said something. The critics agreed. I'm glad you said
0: something because I rarely miss an episode of this show. I have spent more time. On this show, then I'm doing almost anything else yeah. in my life. If you were to count the hours, it would probably be years I've sat here on this show. And uh, when Cameron <laughs> hasn't been in from time to time over the years, I host the show. This uh-huh. week, uh-huh. I was unable to. It's very rare for me to miss a show. It is extremely rare. And this week, I was not able to make the Tuesday recording. And so I talked to Tyler. It was a great cast. Prop was back on. I was very excited mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am not, <laughs> listen, I am not a narcissist. I just really, really care what other people think about me almost exclusively. And I will disregard the feelings of others. So I jumped on Twitter to, to see what a train wreck the show was with, with me out of it. Just, right. just to give me a little boost of self-confidence. I wanted to see exactly how, uh, you know, devastating it was for our listeners to even miss how one is episode. deep the basement on this show? Yeah.
2: Like, how deep does the seller go? When things just start falling
0: through? And so I jumped on Twitter, and for the next few moments, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the progression of, of what I encountered when I was seeing the feedback from, from the show okay. I missed. Okay. I assumed it was mass unsubscribes. <laughs> I had assumed I would be coming into a show that had been reported to iTunes for quality reasons.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would assume I would be putting out a massive fire. And so Georgia tweeted, feeling nervous five minutes into the podcast. Even though you guys are great, obviously, where's Jesse Carey? Concern right out of the
1: game.
2: Oh no, my fears are transpiring.
0: The people we were feeling we were feeling the same
2: way, Georgia. We were, yeah, you yeah. and I were on the same we, yeah. we I was right there with you.
0: Yeah. So I, I was thinking, oh gosh, it's I you know, I gotta come put out another fire here. Uh so I was like, I'll keep reading and just see how bad it's getting. I uh, then Jeff tweeted, Tyler Huckabee really enjoyed you hosting. The relevant Podcast this week. Keep crushing it, man. Okay, so the way I read that was Tyler was doing so bad and was so defeated about how it was going that Jeff felt bad and we just wanted service. to build yeah. him up. And I understand. Yeah. George is concerned. Listeners. Jeff is going to empathy for Tyler. Uh, I get it. I get it. Tyler was in a low spot because he was filling big shoes, shoes that were obviously... Ronald McDonald size for him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so then so, so I kept reading. Ruben tweeted Not once was I disappointed by Tyler Huckabee's music choices on Tuesday's Relevant Podcast. Again, a very backhanded thing it wasn't i'm very impressed by tyler's job hosting no they just needed to find something right on the one thing they needed to find something to encourage tyler with Uh Uh and so they said well at least he did the music okay which newsflash ruben chandler mostly does that anyway and it's easy to do (laughs) a child could do it a child (laughs) could do it Ruben. (laughs) so i continued to read it you pick five songs So I continue to read, Ruben. This is what Kristen says. This is this is where I started to get concerned that Tyler had somehow brainwashed our listeners and begged them to tweet. Kristen says, I don't know how much you paid her, by the way, Tyler. How much how much Bitcoin you floated over Kristen's way? Kristen tweeted, I always miss Cameron and at Jesse Carey when they're not on the relevant podcast. But today's lineup and discussion gave me serious life and made me LOL. Unsolicited advice. Make Tyler Hugbeck H- 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 be the interim host so that Jesse Carey is free to banter about what Uncle Sam, whatever Uncle Sam is restricting him from. Yeah, it is unsolicited advice. No one asked you, Kristen. <laughs> unsolicited mean no one ask and no one cares. Okay. Make Tyler the interim host. I'll continue reading because obviously she's an outlier and (laughs) Kristen is probably Tyler's cousin or something. She didn't disclose that. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of red flags with Kristen. Let me just say that. I did a deep dive on her profile and uh, I'm catfishing her right now to find out more about who she is and what Tyler did to get her to post. Okay. So I keep reading. Obviously, Kristen's an outlier. Ruben's fine with your music. I didn't say anything. By the way, by the way, Tyler, Ruben didn't say anything about your hosting. He just said you did a good job with the music. Yeah. You read between the lines there. <laughs> Cody, says, <laughs> Cody says in response to Kristen. Yes, please. Jesse can't play horse and wrangler. He needs to run free. Hey, Cody, I can do whatever I want. I can wrangle and I can ride, buddy. I have a question for you, Cody. Who asked? No one. <laughs> <laughs> then Philip chimes in. Here's what Philip has to get. Again, again, Philip, no one asks you. <laughs> this is what Philip says to Cody. This is the correct answer. <laughs> Tyler's humble and inquisitive, and yes, clever and insightful, and the right person, in my opinion, to support the show as the host going forward. Love Jesse as a wild card, and would really love a a diverse cast to recenter the confo. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Philip other words Tyler's mom's burner account (laughs) appreciate it Uh. appreciate all the feedback everyone Uh, I'm sure the numbers were historically low on Tuesday <laughs> I saw this
2: too. I was dialed in. I was dialed in because I, I, I. It's not a narcissism thing. I care about the work I'm doing. I take the opinions of our readers seriously, as I know we all do. Chandler, you do too. JD, of course. <laughs> I, I know we're all we're, we're all interested. I we 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 heard you loud and clear what I took away from this Jesse was not I mean do they think I'm a better host than you yes I think that's clear is that objectively true I mean it's a majority I don't know there were no detractors so I I don't know what to say uh, potentially but from a certain perspective this is like a good thing for you because it means they they like who, who doesn't like a loose cannon you know, a little bit of a yeah. firecracker. Yeah. I think that's how they're, yeah, these they're just day, these saying days,
0: that, these days there's uh, people love that. People just love <laughs> people who shoot from the hip and say crazy things. That's that's big right <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> you're a man you're a man of your time. And that's a that's wow. a positive that's a positive attribute. Mine the last name's not Huckabee, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it was enough. It was enough that I thought I'd give this one more go. Already things are probably not going as well. There's deception <laughs> in the <laughs> cast. <discussion among the laughs> we're getting torn I didn't even, apart. I, I didn't didn't I, can I be honest, Tyler?
0: You, you were so sloppy in the intro, I didn't even know we were recording yet. I thought I was just recording. <laughs> <you>. I didn't even <laughs> know about the show. That's how... That's, you've lost... JD, They've lost. he's lost us, hasn't he? Oh, I... Oh,
1: we. What's happening?
0: Exactly. Sorry, I, yeah, was, this is, this I is was... I was designing something. something. Is, is,
1: no, my goal... My goal has always been to if i'm going to be on this podcast to just m- make everyone forget that i was on the podcast and i think i'm succeeding mm. at that goal because not mm. a single one of those tweets mentioned me and that's the way that i like it honestly
0: <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes i'll try today. to keep it though. we'll yeah, see we'll see what the people say today tyler because it's it's like sanity. you burn hot and fast you got everyone excited uh, and guess uh, what now you're playing out in uh, bulgaria Basketball had to be league.
2: a had to be a sports reference. You're just trying to get me off my game. Too late. I've been reading up on basketball as as it's my duty as a host to be aware well of what's going on in the sports world right now. I went all the way over to China just to learn more about the NBA, <laughs> see, how, see how the sausage is made. Uh, with that, we obviously have some things to clear up behind the scenes, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, the Hot List. You're listening to Light Up by Harry Styles. Yeah, that's right. I went with a Harry Styles track. I'm going to test, going to see how willing our listeners are to uh, to go along with us into some more uh, pop friendly mainstream waters. But to offset that, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Love Theme from Born Hot by Chris Farron. Okay, it's time for our weekly look back at the week in faith and culture intersections. It's time for the hot list. Coming in at number five, Gal Gadot is starring in a movie about Irina Sendler, who saved thousands of children from the Nazis. So, Gal Gadot, set to star in and produce a biopic about the life of Irina Sendler. Sendler entered the Warsaw Ghetto during World War II, disguised as a nurse to attend to the health needs of Jewish prisoners, but when she realized the children were bound for concentration camps, she teamed up with other social workers to organize a smuggling operation to remove infants and small children from the ghetto, hiding them in coffins, suitcases, ambulances, sacks, and even on a few occasions, the sewage system. Once they were safely out, Sendler would help the children find new homes with willing Polish families, Catholic convents, and discreet orphanages uh this movie is going to be directed by Stuart hazel who helmed uh that shack movie the the shack adaptation oh uh, a really couple of Years back yeah
0: that's super interesting
2: exactly yeah the book written by william paul young uh, and it's written by a woman named justine jewel gilmer she's written a few episodes of the 100 so i'm super i have a few thoughts about this yeah Uh, and I, here's, here's the first one that's, that's more movie adjacent, obviously interesting story. Uh, seems like it'll do well. I I like Gal Gadot a lot, but one thing I've noticed, I would say that when we're doing online slices, you and I, Jesse, I'm kind of on the casting news beat. Like, You know, I I think it's interesting. I try If I see a movie that I think our list, I think people are going to be interested in, then I'll dig up a, I'll I'll write about it a little bit. They don't usually do that well. They're not, it's not why people come here. I know. I just try to keep people abreast of like, Cool, interesting movies that might sure. be that are coming down the pike a little bit. This one blew up. People loved yeah, it. The right. relevant readers were really, really excited about this one. My theory I think the relevant readership has a little crush on Gal Gadot. That's my assumption. It, well, Understood. not only
0: was she Wonder, you know, she did an awesome job. Obviously, as, yeah, as Wonder, wonder Woman. Woman. You know, um, mm-hmm. but I, okay, I. Yeah, people. I've talked about this before. I come from a family that uh, a lot of my family is currently or was in the service, like in the mm-hmm, military. Mm-hmm. And right, right. you know the the way I was particularly raised is you know I have great admiration and respect and appreciation for people who serve their 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 country. And uh-huh. you know, Gal Gadot was in was it, it, you know that there's. I, I believe. The IAS, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The Israeli Armed Forces, yeah. Th- that's right. Like she, she served, she, you know, from my understanding, was a pretty decorated, um, service member. You know, it's, it's like, um, Kylo Ren. Um, oh, you thinking of Driver, Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver. You know, a- Adam Driver, uh, you know, he served in the Marine Corps, the United States mm-hmm. Marine Corps. Right, right. And I think for some reason, I feel like in both of those, um, both those actors kind of have a this kind of confidence and it's sure. not swagger but sure. it's like sure. they they when they appear on screen they both seem to carry themselves in a way that's very reassuring to an audience, I feel. A like.
2: very commanding presence and very uh, you wouldn't cast Adam Driver or Gal Gadot as like the skittish kind of no. nervous n- new recruit. They, they just don't have that bearing yeah. about them at all.
0: Yeah, but uh, there's there's they're not like intimidating but they 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 seem composed. And I don't want to make stereotypes, but I do feel like there's a no. character buildi- a character building element that comes to a lot of people who serve their countries and for those two performers in particular i feel like that's part of the on-screen draw particularly with gal uh you know and i think this is such a cool role too about mm-hmm. you yeah, know i do too uh, it, it, because there are sort of faith implications to it as well because you know mm-hmm. she's uh you know rescuing these children and a lot of them you know ended up in catholic you know, orphanage. Sendler
2: was a Christian. Irina Sendler was a Christian. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, the the story about her life, it is weird that it's not more well-known the more you get into it. It's a very long... Uh, I'd encourage people... The, the book is called Irina Sendler. I'd encourage people to read it. She Her life story is just like... It's weird that there wasn't a movie earlier yeah. than this one because it's 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 all there. It's all it doesn't mean the movie will be good necessarily obviously, but there is
0: a lot of material there. So I'm I'm pumped about this one. J- JD 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 you you you're uh, you've seen a lot of superhero movies. What what do you think about her in Wonder Woman?
1: Oh, I thought of the DC universe, I thought Wonder Woman was probably the the best of their films since uh, the Nolan Batman ones. Yeah, I, I thought I thought hers was the best. My actual question about this film is like, so Wonder Woman that movie took place during World War One, and then the That's new correct. Wonder Woman that they're working on is taking place in the eighties. Is that correct? Eighties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, nineteen
2: eighty
1: four. Are we sure this isn't a secret crossover film? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like I know it's a, woman, know like it's a true five. story, but like maybe, maybe they're doing like a little history rewrite here where like Wonder Woman took on the persona of this actual person to like sneak children out of the ghettos and stuff. Yeah. And beca- like, look, I'm not saying that that's what should happen, and in no way am I like minimalizing what this actual woman did. But I mean, you know, there's a director. The, out there who's like at the very last scene if she just like turns and winks at the camera and that meer meaner like just comes in like popcorn everywhere, you know. Whatever the DC equivalent of Nick Fury is, like have him show up or her show up or whatever that would be. Like Commissioner Gordon is there and, and like, <laughs> a young a young child version of Commissioner Gordon is like one day I will be a butler to a great man that can use your help. <laughs> so
2: you're saying, so you're suggesting that this is actually a DC in universe film that would serve as sort of an origin backstory, like begins for a number of different yeah, superhero like characters. characters. Yes, it right. also happens to be about yeah. real life Irina Sendler. absolutely, because she's concept. a
1: real hero, and we're gonna like mix that in, use that as our gateway to get in to remind she, people to go she, back she, to the DC universe because. They don't really have anything going on right
2: now. <laughs> it'd be a great way. It'd be a great way to try to get people more interested. I mean, I know, I know a lot of people are tired of the superhero movie boom. So we could kind of ease them out of the superhero movie right, boom right, by like right. slowly mixing in historical fiction until you've like scrubbed away all the superhero elements all together. Right, and you, you're all you're left with is like great dramas, just actual heroes, that could work. like real people that could heroes. Work. Yeah, you should go to Hollywood, JD. Uh, you yeah, know, I, you've, got,
1: you've got great ideas. They all have my number. No one's calling. I don't get it, <laughs> yeah.
0: JD. You sound like Patton Oswalt in that episode of Park. And wreck, where he just filibusters <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. with oh, an yeah. insane hero. That's a hero, That's a insane hero insane moment. Incredibly <laughs> dorky movie idea. That's what you sound like. <laughs>
1: Yes. Well, don't get me started. There's plenty more where that came from.
2: <laughs> okay, coming in number four, IMAX has released a trailer for Jesus is King, a Kanye West movie. Okay, so after numerous setbacks and delays, it looks like Kanye's big gospel album, Jesus is King, is finally coming via an IMAX movie. Apparently, the whole thing will be one of Kanye's Sunday services uh, filmed in artist. James Turrell's Gorgeous Roden Crater in Arizona, and directed by famed British fashion photographer Nick Knight via a press release filmed in the summer of 2019. Jesus is King brings Kanye West's famed Sunday service to life in the road End center visionary artist, James Terrell's never before seen installation in Arizona's painted desert. This one of a kind experience features songs arranged by West and the gospel tradition, along with new music from his forthcoming album, Jesus is King all presented in the immersive sound and stunning clarity of the IMAX experience. Um, We we've got a little more to talk about with with this one, but first let's. Where where are we at
1: on this? How 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 are we feeling about? I mean, this is just a rumor, but I heard that they wanted to shoot it in thirty five millimeter, but his, but uh, in order to capture his ego, they needed the whole seventy. Oh, oh, (laughs) oh,
0: new guy, yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. actually like. It's Kanye. like when I think when I think of IMAX, it's either it's either one of those James Cameron movies where he like goes into an abyss in like a submarine, <laughs> or it's it's like paying extra to see a a Christopher Nolan movie. I, I'm interested just from a obviously it's this sort this of is geek. on our
2: beat. This yeah. is yeah. our yeah. beat, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: faith and culture thing here, but. Yeah, I mean, go big or go home with the IMAX thing. But Tyler, I know we we're talking about this. He made an appearance in Washington D.C., and we shared a clip online uh, this week where he he said he basically asked the congregation for grace because he's he's he literally said I'm a recent convert. I recently got saved a few weeks ago, and so give me grace if I mispronounce. Uh, uh, you know, some pronunciations and things, but then he kind of launched into a sermon that was surprisingly biblical. Well, here's
2: a, we actually have a, a clip of it right
0: here. Uh, take a listen.
3: I know for a fact being that I am a a, a, a strong member in pop culture that I worshiped the idea of labels, brand names. I worshiped cars I worshiped the city I grew up in. I probably said Chicago in my career more than I said Jesus. This is the King James Version, which is my favorite, because it says yay all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 2.89. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift. Chronicles 16, 25, the Lord is great and deserves our greatest praise. He is the only God worthy of our worship. He deserves the greatest praise. I I talk to Christians, they'll be like, well, at least I did. At least I did this. And he did the most. Think about how much you feel somebody owes you. You They might owe you some money or something. Might have did them a favor. Imagine someone sending their only son, they had 10 sons, their only son to die for you.
2: It's hard to know. And I think sometimes uh, what we and the church can be sort of guilty of is when these high profile people uh, say that they've. They've had a conversion experience of some kind. We're we're very quick to elevate them to a a leadership status, right? Like they, they, because they have a lot of... Fame and notoriety and uh, a high, uh, their, their SEO is really strong on the on social media. Mm-hmm. They get um, these very high-profile gig, gigs and within the church and places of spiritual leadership, which is a big responsibility. And I, this is not in any way casting any sort of aspersions on what Kanye's talking about here. I have no idea. I don't know the guy's heart at all. And I have no problem with what he said in the clip. I just think that sometimes... Uh, it's easy for people in the church to get a little carried away with yeah. like shiny new yeah. toys that they, that fall into their lap. And these people can end up being in a place that through no fault of their own, not because they're trying to be sinister or, or, or duplicitous or anything like that. Uh, they're just put in a place that is, that people go to school to learn how to, to, lead congregations and, and be spiritually that it's, a, it's a big difficult challenge that not many people are called to do so I just think that sometimes the caution there we, we, we can throw caution to the wind really quickly but obviously hope that what he's talking about is sincere and I have no reason to think that it's not but that that it, the movie will be interesting the, tra- the trailer is there's a trailer out that's posted on a really magazine.com that's interesting and what the movie is going to be like I just don't know I just don't know it's a weird one will you guys like day 1 imax is this going to be a must see for you
0: uh i mean i'll probably end up seeing it but i don't know day 1 i uh, you know yeah, i'm curious yeah. but not that curious you know
2: are yeah. you still interested in kanye music like i'm i'm far more, more interested songs interesting? i'm
0: far more interested in his music than mm-hmm. than you know imax art installations or you know the next yeezy yeah, drop yeah, you yeah. know i still think he's a great <laughs> artist but you know but yeah i don't yeah, and, and i, don't I feel buy like well, we keep coming back to him on the show, but he keeps doing things that we can't yeah, ignore, you know, but, but yeah. It'll be on the
2: beat. Well, we've got more uh, coming in at number three, the first fall trailer for Bombshell. Puts the Fox News scandal up in lights. This one is interesting. So you probably remember in 2016, the news media world was rocked by numerous allegations of sexual harassment about Roger Ailes, the CEO of Fox News. Revelations of a culture of fear, intimidation and bullying around the sexual exploitation of women changed the digital media landscape and changed Fox News forever. Story was a massive one in the midst of an election year in which Fox played a central role. And now it's getting the movie treatment from director Jay Roach. A man behind political movies like *Trumbo*, *The Campaign*, and the *Austin Powers* trilogy. This one stars Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carlson, Margot Robbie as Kayla Popsipil, uh, who is a composite character of several women in the real-life story, and Charlize Theron as an eerily accurate dead ringer for Megan Kelly. The first trailer promises a complex story that's not just about what went down in the shadowy halls of Fox News, but also the general culture of an organization regularly accused of mining American xenophobia and racism for extra views. Also John Lithgow, Billie Eilish, Kate McKinnon, uh, Darcy Carden appears in the trailer. She's Janet on The Good
0: Place. Did you all watch this trailer? I did, and I was got, I was shocked at how <laughs> how much yeah, uh Charlie's like Megan Kelly. It
2: looked like one of those deep fakes
0: they yeah, do. was yeah.
2: like where you can't even tell because it looked like Megan Kelly. She sounds like Megan Kelly. Yeah. That was very wild. I'm interested in this story. Obviously, I think there's a lot of ways it could go wrong. Like there's a lot of poor ways to tell this story because there's so many interesting and weird um like cultural symbols at play in all of this that i think are are kind of complicated to tell in a single movie i think it's a story that needs to be told i just it'd be very very hard i think to get this one right between obviously the really egregious things that uh that roger ailes did also the things that fox news is often accused of that we've held that we've held fox news as task for on our own side of doing with things like some of the stuff that comes out of like came out about Bill O'Reilly and some of the things Tucker yeah. Carlson has said about immigrants. These are really like negative, really damaging things that I don't, so you can't just paint it as like a simple good people versus bad people thing. There's, there's a lot of complex sort of cultural ideologies that play in a story like this. Yeah. And
0: especially not just, not just cultural ideologies, but just lack of accountability for mm-hmm, powerful for sure. men to, uh, you know, use their positions of power to pray on women, whether that's, you know, through misconduct or, or you know, intimidation and inappropriateness. You know, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think anything that exposes that is very good. You know, I mean, oh, I don't know, I do I don't know if the yeah. film itself, I can't speak for the quality of the film itself. I mean, the nope. trailers look interesting, but I think it's good that whether, you know, it's at a conservative news outlet or if there was a similar storyline you know, with something like the New York Times, I think the the more exposing of the, that kind of thing is very good.
2: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to trying to, to see that one when it comes out yeah. and hopefully cover it, because I think it could be a really important movie. I hope it is. I hope they handled it well. Uh, coming in at number two, this story is wild. Oxford professor accused of stealing biblical artifacts and selling them. To hobby lobby all right did you guys how caught up are you on this on this story on this yarn this was a wild one
1: heard about this yeah this is a weird story
2: this is this one isn't a movie yet but it should be I'll, i'll try to break it down as as simply as i can here so professor dirk obink is a respected celebrated oxford professor and expert in classics he even has a macarthur genius grant He is the director of Oxford's Papyri Project, managing centuries-old pieces of literature collected from a garbage dump in Egypt. He is also allegedly a master thief. On Monday, the Papyri Project officials released the results of their investigation into Obink and accused him of looting 11 Bible fragments, one of which is the oldest ever recovered from the project and selling it to the Green family. The Greens, of course, are the owners of Arts and Crafts Mega Chain Hobby Lobby and also operate the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. This this whole thing gets really wild and really uh there's lots of like... Uh, subterfuge in the in the archaeological sphere around these like very old fragments and how he was trying to to swipe them and then sell them to Hobby Lobby Hobby Lobby uh, denies that they that there was anything untoward they said they thought it was an above like it was everything was fair they they didn't know there was anything bad about them. hobby uh, uh-huh. is denying that he stole them, but at this point apparently it's looking pretty bad for him like he was actually involved in in swiping these in a daring daylight raid of his own project <laughs> to make a little scratch on the side <laughs> as a purveyor of ill-gotten biblical goods for that big museum of the Bible thing that we talked about pretty recently on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Dear Jesse. And, uh, and they've been in hot water a few times now, like they've been, there's been three or four times that I've covered them uh, getting caught with their hands in the cookie jar, taking stuff that didn't belong to them for the museum.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it, what. <laughs> It's so, it's such an interesting uh, story because it does have that sort of like Indiana Jones antiquities. uh, Oh, for sure. You know, dealing element. And it goes to show just how interested, you know, you hear all these stories all the time about, you know, the decline of interest in Christianity and all this jazz. And it's like. Obviously, there's a lot of interest interest. If you're not, you know, don't particularly care about the faith and values element of it, that the history of Christianity um, is is in- incredibly important, and uh, to see, you know, some sort of antiquities detective story happening with a with a professor at maybe the most esteemed university in the world, along yeah. with a very powerful. Uh, family here in America. That is funding a museum that is state of the art, all to high, all centering around the Bible. I, I think it's a fascinating story, and we're talking about tr- real, true stories that could be movies. Like this one has it oh, all Oh, for sure.
1: Oh, uh, Nicholas Cage is, to, is in line already right now. He's like, <laughs>
0: please, <laughs> please let me
2: be
3: in this movie. That was pretty.
2: Good. And the idea of like, like stealing from a museum. I just don't like. I would be bad at stealing anything from anywhere i wouldn't be able to steal i can't i can't even steal a baguette here in paris and they practically give them away for free and this guy's the oldest bible fragment supposedly written within 100 years of the death of jesus a a fragment of the gospel of mark the idea that you'd be able to to get out of that and sell it to a museum where it's going to be publicly displayed like they're they're not gonna miss that this thing has a has popped up somewhere and the number of people who could have stolen it has got to be pretty small right yeah Yeah. Apparently when you read the story, uh, there were a lot of people didn't even know it was existed. The, the Green family had sworn the experts they had come confirm its existence to an NDA. So it it was only, uh, there was only a rumor that it was even real before the Museum of the Bible put it on display. And then the people who actually had found it were like, So that's where that went. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I I heard about this story the first time, I just read the headline that was, you know, uh, Professor Steele's Bible Artifact to Sell to Hobby Lobby. And I immediately was thinking like, wait as like merchandise like you can like <laughs> like like hidden behind the giant flowers they have like a section of like ancient legit artifacts and then I immediately thought like I wonder if that 40% coupon I get in the mail every week would work on one of these like pieces of antiquity but I was just like no I don't think that like or maybe they're using it and they're like scanning it and like reprinting it on a giant like picture frame that says family across the front of it with like an old, yeah. an old piece of the dead See scrolls or something, yeah. I live, laugh, love. Yeah, Look, this.
0: Right? <laughs> this do-it-yourself birdhouse kit has a has a fleck of wood from the Ark of the Covenant. Cool, <laughs> cool. <Yeah.
1: laughs> it's like a very new hobby. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole nother and level. There's finally. like a secret back door that they open. You're like, no, I want the real hobbies and they're like oh right this way sir and like beep, 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 beep. and you go in the back and there's just all yeah, of these real
0: hobbies we're re-stitching together the shroud of turin what a hobby <laughs> you know here's your fabrics <laughs> we have, you know we have all the latest fabrics including this this shroud just came in and uh wow what a piece what a piece it's if a little messy there's some my, some old my stains favorite, on hobbies but Picking the right Holy Grail out of a collection of very old goblets. It's kind of a high stakes I hobby. I would say the stakes are very high. I have seen... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if you pick the right one... It could heal an open gunshot wound. Should you pick the wrong one and you will disintegrate in front of our eyes in a, the most horrific death ever captured
1: on screen.
4: That movie, the original, that Indiana Jones
0: movie Scarring. is so Scarring. disturbing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think the face melting from the first one is is worse than the uh-huh. than the the like disintegration one.
2: I would be curious. Which one do you think is more? Because they're both when I was a little kid, they both messed me up pretty good. Yeah. The face melting one is bad. Yeah. And then, the, but the guy shriveling into a, a skeleton, like into a crypt creep keeper yeah. type situation. <laughs> they're both pretty. I mean, they're both Nazis. So yeah. I, I do not care. Right. Yeah, and right. uh, and they, they had it coming, but I don't know which one left more of an impression on me or, or which one. My parents were trying harder to fast forward, but couldn't find the button quick enough. So I, I saw the whole thing right before my young impressionable eyes. They, they're both. Uh, that would be a good Twitter poll. Yeah. I'd be curious yeah. to know yeah. which one people and, think and is worse. I think worse. you
1: should yeah. throw in into there, the the temple of doom, the guy that gets his heart ripped out and then oh, yeah, plunged into yeah, into the lava yeah. because he's still alive somehow. And mm-hmm. you're just like, what? That, w- that yeah. messed my brain up a lot as yeah. a yeah. Same. child. Yeah, but, you know, no. wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies, but we can watch that over <laughs> and over and over and over and over again.
2: <laughs> uh, and anyway, coming in at number one, Katy Perry is fighting that plagiarism lawsuit from Christian rapper Flame. Okay, so I think we all remember the incredible saga that took place <laughs> just a few months ago, in which Katy Perry was found by a jury to have been guilty of, with her song, Dark Horse, ripping off Flames' song, uh, Joyful Noise. Uh, Chandler, do we have a a clip of those two songs side by side? I know we've done it on this podcast a few times, but just to refresh our memories... So, ladies and gentlemen, you have the you have the facts yeah, before be you. We, we've all made up we've all made up our minds on this one. I don't think we're going to find any new. Everybody yeah. knows how they feel about this one, <laughs> except for Katy Perry, who's still going to the <laughs> mat over it. She and her team are appealing a decision that found the pop singer stole elements of Flame's song this summer. A jury ordered that Flame be paid two point seven eight million dollars after the jury said it sounded too similar to Perry's hit "Dark Horse." Harry and her team's appeal documents don't mince words about what they think about Flame, whose real name is Michael Gray, and his career. They wrote that, quote, "...plaintiffs did not offer proof of one single digital or brick-and-mortar sale of Joyful Noise or album, our world redeemed, and admitted that they have no such evidence. Plaintiffs adduced no evidence of any sales or no documentary evidence of any radio or television play or of actual performances of Joyful
0: Noise." I feel, so, I feel like that's a little personal, don't you? Like, you like think? they could just say they could just say, you know, plaintiffs we we feel didn't reasonably prove that it was stolen. Not they would just right, straight right. up okay we don't know if he even sold one. We don't even know <laughs> if anyone ever listened to it. We this, you know, like it gets personal.
2: This no name yeah, rapper. The, yeah, yeah, they go they go for the, the the which is I don't think it's like unfair. I think there's I mean, I have a lot of feelings about this case. I don't think that that, that the jury should have... I disagree with the jury's findings. It doesn't seem to me... It doesn't seem similar enough to me at all to warrant any sort of... Let alone almost $3 million in compensation.
0: There's actually a great YouTube video that breaks down the music theory behind the probability... And, and shows other, you know, situations that are... Oh, actually, really? Yeah, oh. It's, it's, it's pretty good. If, uh, well,
1: and, and I also feel like the jury, like, because the idea of the jury is it's supposed to be like a jury of your peers. Yeah. And like if you, but it, so if you threw up a jury full of like music producers and songwriters and stuff that could actually, that have been in that world, that understand the difference between like plagiarism and just like basic music theory or like how you write a song and how there you are limited to a certain amount of tones and beats. Like I think that the result would be totally different, but you put a bunch of just like people off the street up there and they're like, well, Katy Perry's rich. And this guy, I mean, I guess yeah. it kind of, sounds, uh, sh- sure. What? Yeah. $2 million. Whatever. Yeah. 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 It's, it just yeah. doesn't feel like a, like the appropriate people were assigned to, to determine whether this was real or not. Yeah. I spoke with a friend who has a little bit of inside Intel and his
2: speculation was that Katy Perry's team spent too much time, time uh, trying to dismiss it out of hand Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just doubling down on the side, what you guys are talking about just saying like, look, there's going to be some similarities in different songs over the course of pop music history. That's unavoidable. This just isn't a clear cut enough case to, uh, to allege any sort of uh, actual uh, stealing on their part. Yeah. But it looks like that's the, track they're taking here they're just yeah. saying they're just saying again it's absurd for you to even think that we would yeah. have heard of this song let alone that we would rip it off yeah right which may be true but i don't know if that argument is going to be the winning one yeah. for for the appeal yeah yeah. i don't know it's a weird one that keeps popping up every time i think i didn't think for sure that it would go to that the jury would find them guilty i was really shocked by that yeah same uh and the appeal oh we'll see what happens yeah, we'll yeah, i don't know we're on the beat. Yeah, We're on the beat. We're keeping an eye on it. <laughs> and that'll do it for this week's hot list. When we come back, John Mark Comer joins us. You're listening to Mariner's Apartment Complex by Lana Del Rey. Coming up, we're going to talk to John Mark Comer. But first, Jesse's going to tell you that today's interview is brought to you by the Called podcast.
0: Yeah, Called. I'm super excited about it. I've got to be behind the scenes uh, of this podcast, get to work on it every episode, actually. It's specifically for church leaders. And uh, man, I've been so thrilled about how it's come out. The caliber of guests, the caliber of discussions we've had. Pastors from a variety of backgrounds. Uh, you know, Bianca Oltoff is is on the show. Uh, we've had Kim Walker Smith. We've had John Mark McMillan talking about worship. Uh, we have a big interview coming up. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Oh. An extended interview with N.T. Wright about what church leaders Ooh. today can learn from first century uh, Christians it is a phenomenal show. If you know anyone that is in church leadership. And they want insights into everything from the art of the sermon. And you get to hear from people like Banning Leecher about something like that. Church strategy and growth with people like Bobby Greenwald, who's hugely influential and uh, innovator. Uh, you know, to dealing with personal stuff, ministries and marriage, dealing with depression and anxiety. Someone in ministry called. You need to check it out. If you know anyone in church leadership, recommend it to them. If you're in church leadership yourself. I encourage you, just check out an episode, give it give it a listen, and uh, hopefully it's a really valuable uh, resource called The Called Podcast, and we hope you subscribe now.
2: I can't wait. Jesse, you've been working really hard on that one, man. Yeah, it's, it's been, been really rewarding. Effort has it's, been, been it's, really been, rewarding. it's been really rewarding, yeah. I know it's, I, you don't have enough to do around relevant offices, and I'm glad we were able to find you something like this. Yeah. To, uh, it's <laughs> just a little busy work. I mean, it's between that and,
0: you know, Minesweeper on Chandler's <laughs> Dell that he's hiding in the but- closet. The dude got a Dell. The dude got a Dell uh, back yeah. in 2002, and he keeps it hidden for me so I can go game in all my free time that I have uh, between, between the very few tasks that I have to do at Relevant Media Group. Just, so. just, just, the, just the one plate you
2: keep spinning, yeah. The, yeah. the ongoing Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, John Mark Gomer is the teaching pastor of Portland's Bridgetown Church, and in his new book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. He looks at why the idea of hurry can be so damaging to our spiritual lives. Jesse recently spoke to John Mark about why John Mark thinks we should all slow down. The power of Mister Rogers and practical steps we can all take in becoming slower people. Jesse, what that what was that conversation like?
0: Man, it it was really good. You know, we had Jeff Bethke on the podcast recently, and mm-hmm. he has a book that is, um, you know, to hell with hustle that talks about kind of the the spiritual side of slowing down and John Mark kind of digs in, you know, uh, both books are really practical, but they're kind of different in that Jeff's, you, you know, is more uh, about practical steps where John Marks, it looks at the theology of hurry. And he actually looked at, at you know, the, the whole idea for this book came out because he saw hurry as an assault on spirituality uh, because he had heard uh, John Ortberg and Dallas Willard kind of discuss the idea, uh, here's here, here's how he kind of what he thought when he was first told that that hurry is a, an actually a spiritual attack.
4: You know, when I first heard that line, you know, because his follow up was, uh, "Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day." I had two reactions. One was, "No, it's not. That's ridiculous." Um, that's not the great, like the greatest challenge I face in my life. And then the other reaction was like this deep soul level resonance of heck yes. Like, you know, when you hear something and it just corresponds so much to reality that you just like, there's this inner, like tuning fork kind of reverberation and you just think, yes. So I think hearing that it, 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 I, I think it diagnosed. I had all these symptoms in my life, um, which we could talk about, but all of the symptoms of anxiety, depression, blah, 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 sabotage of love, you know, existential early midlife crisis, all that like, stalled out in my spiritual formation, all of these symptoms. I think when I heard that, it was like when a doctor says, it's this, and gives you a diagnosis. And at first I was like, no, it's not. But then there's a part of me that said, yes. And then the longer I've sat with that the last five, six years, the more I come to the conviction, he's absolutely spot on. I
0: I felt like that was such a profound idea because I have never heard of the idea of hurrying as like, like I said, something that is absolutely detrimental to spiritual life. Seasons in nature take time, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, the the cycles that God put in place that, you know, the first thing that, you know, Paul says, love is patient. Then love is kind. Then love is all these things, but love is first mm-hmm. patience, and and hurry is the opposite of patience. And part of the reason that hurry is so destructive is that it encourages us not to take time to listen. And when we don't listen, uh, we are depriving people around us of a true act of love. And. You know, listening is such a powerful act. You know, when we had Malcolm Gladwell, he's in the recent cover, you know, he said that was what Jesus was primarily. He was a fantastic listener. Listening is so important. And here's how John Mark kind of explained how that idea ties in.
4: So much psychological, you know, research has been done on how when people are listened to they feel loved, even if the person says nothing. It's why some therapists are really effective and they don't even change anything. They just like sit there and ask a question or two and let you talk. And you walk out, and not only do you feel better, you feel loved. And therefore, it actually does something to heal your soul. Because just the act of listening to somebody with attention and affection is an embodiment of love. Listening is love. That's just one of many examples, you know? So, yeah, I, mean, I just came to the conviction that, oh, Hurry is compatible with love, and for me as a follower of Jesus, that's a problem because the tell-offs of the entire spiritual journey in Jesus' view is to become a person who is compassionate and loving, like our Father is compassionate and loving.
0: Yeah, I it, that you know, so that I felt like it was an interesting idea, and you know, I recently had the opportunity to see the upcoming Mister Rogers film uh, starring Tom Hanks that where he plays portrays Mister Rogers, and one of the things that I Took away from that movie is that Mr. Rogers would, st- or Fred Rogers would stop everything to listen to people. And he built this idea of stillness and listening, not talking, but listening uh, into his entire ethos. And I, I brought that up in my conversation with John Mark, and he's actually a big Fred Rogers fan. And we got into a little discussion about why that approach was so countercultural. Um, here's, here's part of, of that discussion.
4: When you hear about that, you know, the rivalry, I mean, that's too strong of a word, but between his show and, um, Sesame street and how they had radically different views of hurry and of how fast you should pace a program and what's appropriate for children in Sesame street blew up, you know, using fast pacing and keeping people interested. And, you know, Mr. Rogers is painfully slow. I mean, just pain. It's just painful, you know? And that was all deliberate, all on purpose. It was all based on his understanding of, you know, brain development, and children, spiritual formation, and love and listening. And all. obviously, he did that all from the perspective of the follower of Jesus. And I just, and like so many times, he had chances to go to mainstream television, to make movies, to do these big breakout things. And he just said, no, 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 no. And he was so committed to the slow. And um, I I think he's a great example. This isn't just like a personality thing from a different era. Yes, he's from a different era, but he worked in, you know, TV. That's like one of the most stressful careers out there. You know what I mean? Working it to know, oh, that's like, that's crazy. That burns people out really fast. So I think his life was not, I mean, he didn't have a phone like we do, but I don't think his life was that different than ours. So um, I think he's just a great case study in that, I don't think you can have it both ways. That's the hard truth of it. I don't, I don't think you can have everything, all the busyness, all the things, all the extra activities and the hustle. And we're going to do this. We're going to do this side business. We're going to be on Instagram. We're going to travel. I don't think you can have all of that and live a kind of, you know, what Scazzaro calls a slow down spirituality where you're just unhurried and present to people in love in the way that I think you want to be. And I want to be, and Jesus wants us to be.
0: Yeah, that that is especially having seen that film and people should watch the documentary that recently came out about him and definitely the the Fred Rogers uh, film that's coming out on Thanksgiving. Um, But, you know, all of this sounds good, right? I mean, oh, yeah, let's slow down. Let's listen. Let's take time to kind of, um, you know, observe stillness. But let's be honest. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I do in the morning is I look at my phone. I check Twitter. I check my email. I start listening to like a news update podcast, kind of get in the zone. I do that while I'm drinking my coffee and you know, getting ready for the day. You know, it sounds this is all good. after
1: you've done your three hour devotion, right? Yeah. Th- th- that's yeah, followed yeah, yeah. by right, a three hour right, right. devotion. Yeah, sure.
0: Obviously, yeah, if you yeah, see yeah. my physique, a several hour <laughs> Navy SEAL style extreme crossfit Yeah, workout I do on the American Ninja Warrior <laughs> course in my backyard. Yeah. Right, then yeah, I start yeah, my of course. course. <laughs> then um, the day, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do that at the beginning and the end of the day with a quick twelve uh, uh, miler at lunch and yeah, uh, sure. for my afternoons <laughs> uh, vape break. But um, what uh, you know? But when I asked But I asked Yamar, what are some practical steps that we can actually take to incorporate in this into our lives? And you know, it, it doesn't start with big changes. It starts with small ones. And here's how I explained it.
4: The less hard truth is I think there are some really practical acts of resistance, some counter habits or practices or spiritual disciplines that we can build into our rule of life, our morning routine, our weekend, our relationship to our phone that can really do a lot. Um, There's no silver bullet, not like fix the problem, but I think can do a lot. So just simple things like coming up with a rule of life for your phone, you know, I think of Andy Crouch's work around the TechWise family and stuff like that. So simple things like in our house, we have a parent, your phone rule, which I think we sold from Andy. I'm not sure where, you know, just like a parent, our phones go to bed before we go to bed and they get up after we get up, get up, you know? So they, they, they live in a closet plugged in, they go to bed at 830 and they don't get to wake up actually in our home till 930 um, for the most part. So uh, you know what I mean? So simple things like that to build just quiet into our morning. And so our mornings begin with prayer and coffee and quiet and hearing God's voice and welcoming our children to the day, and getting them fed and that kind of stuff, rather than with the helter-skelter kind of hurry and digital stuff. So there's simple things like that. or And then of course, key Sabbaths are things like Sabbath, simplicity in your finances, building time for silence and solitude. These are Our counterintuitive, countercultural acts of resistance that might take us a little while to kind of get into our muscle memory. But if you can get them into your body, like Rogers did, oh man, then you'd like stand a chance to win the battle against the hurry of our culture.
0: Yeah, it's a, you know, I really appreciate those thoughts, how they are countercultural and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to benefit it. The book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You can pre-order it now and it comes out next week. So check it out.
2: You know, I've been, I've been, uh, don't ask, don't ask why, uh, but I've been rereading some passages from, uh you remember that, that book, uh, Wild at Heart, John oh, old, uh, like yeah. how, to, how to be a yeah. Christian guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember at all until I went back to it. How much. Shade he throws at Mr. Rogers throughout that book as being like, "What is wrong with American <laughs> Christianity? Oh, like man. people are being too nice, little maybe pamby, snot-nosed do-gooders, and we need more William Wallaces and and uh, gladiators to go out there. That's what Christian men should be. Be more and toxic." Those, I would say whatever good things Selridge had to say in those books, the Mr. Rogers content has aged. Very, very poorly, because I think that a lot of people would say that if, if the worst thing that came Mr. Rogers was like an infusion of like kindness and patience and thoughtfulness and listening into the church today, that uh, wouldn't be such a bad wouldn't be, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers attitude run amok. I feel
0: like in politics and in church, we need more masculinity. <laughs> Surely that will solve problems and not cause terrible, terrible ones that may be insurmountable. <laughs> What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get John Mark's thoughts on that next time. Maybe if we can get Eldridge on here too. The two of them can have it out together. We'll just ref on the sidelines. Uh, we're gonna take a short break. Coming up next, the return of a highly anticipated segment. You won't want to miss it.
5: Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, anger, stress, anxiety, and more. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Relevant podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com RELEVANT. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's BetterHelp.com RELEVANT.
2: You're listening to Mercury is in Retrograde by Sergio Simpson. And uh now I I, I admit a, a, a good host
0: knows when to take the reins. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I will take them. I will take them. Now shut your <laughs> windows. shut Stay shut shut up. shut up. You got to do the whole show. You got to flex on us. We get it. I'm done. <laughs> we get it. I'm setting this up. Chandler play the X-Files music. <laughs> In a world of mystery and fear <laughs> Of the supernatural <laughs> Shut up, Tyler! Of things lurking in the night If I hear you say one more thing and ruin this You'll never host the show again And <laughs> our mysteries abound in our universe And in our Bible <laughs> What do they mean? What are they trying to tell us? Who, sh- Tyler, I swear you're trying to m- distract me This is my time. (laughs) Voices in the night. Figures in the distance. A light shining. A mist encroaching. It's time for Strange Happenings. This is where JD talks about weird stuff that he likes to talk about. Shut your mouth, Tyler. It is not your turn anymore. (laughs) Last time... JD, you brought us. Uh, you are a fan of the show Ancient Aliens, and JD, for a lot of people don't know, he is he is a seminarian. He 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 is a theologian. He is a scholar and a gentleman, but he also mm. likes the paranormal, and he has theories that tie all of this together. And we have created a segment for him to to give us to enlight- We were going to do Listener of the Week here, okay? Real talk. That was the plan. Sure. But, uh, you know, it the first strange happenings, to me, was so interesting that I wanted to bring JD on to give us another one of these insights, one of these tying the world of sort of the paranormal, the supernatural, into his actual kind of biblical understanding of how the world operates. JD, what do you have for us this afternoon?
1: This afternoon, I have for you one of my favorite rabbit holes to descend and I shall introduce you all to this rabbit hole in the same way that I was introduced to this rabbit hole by a story, a story of a man and a wife, George and Geraldine Largay. Now Geraldine was an avid hiker, an outdoors woman, if you will. She loved to go on multiple day hikes, sleep out in the woods, the whole thing. She was once walking along, uh, she decided to do the Appalachian Trail, which is this massive trail, Georgia, all the way to maine, yeah, and she asked her husband to go along with her now, her husband does not like to hike, so he committed to uh being like her resupply guy, so he would he would drive alongside and like travel and visit the different cities, and then they would have designating. Uh, meetup spots where he could like, they could see each other again, catch up, make sure she was okay. uh, Resupply her, her, you know, water, food, that whole thing. Well, on uh, July 22nd, 2013, uh, Geraldine ended up being missing. He, she was late for her, her meetup time. And after about a day had passed, he started to get concerned. And the largest search party in the history of the state of Maine, uh, was sent out to try to find Geraldine. There was over three canine units that scoured the entire uh, section of the Appalachian trail that she was supposed to be walking. Not even a single hit of her scent was picked up. Three years later, another hiker was going on the trail, noticed something a little off the trail, about three quarters of a mile away. He came upon the remains of a tent, with some human remains in it. And in it, it was the remains of Geraldine Largay. And oh. yeah, you could, she had journaled the entire experience. It's ended up, she had survived for 26 days wow. in the wilderness by herself, lost only three quarters of a mile away from the trail. Oh no. Aww. And, and she, she, um, she said she had left the trail in her journal. She had left the trail to, um, to relieve herself, to go to the restroom. And um, when she was out there, she got uh, disoriented and started looking for landmarks. She looked, she followed a stream. She tried, they had unsent cell phone uh, messages on her phone where she was reaching out to her husband to try to have them like send police or whatever. She finally ended up understanding that she probably wasn't going to make it back and ended up writing some sentimental letters to her friends and her family. And um, that's where the official story ended was just, this tragic yeah. tale of this, uh-huh. this woman, but there are a lot of avid hikers that came out and they said, this, this story, this official story does not hold water because, oh. um, because only being three quarters of a mile away from the trail, you're within eyesight of the trail and people are constantly walking back and forth on this trail and the largest search party in the state of Maine was sent out and scoured this entire area. They sent those those dogs that were sent out were sniffing. And the official report was like, well, she might have been inside of her tent. And then the dogs wouldn't have picked up on her scent. To which people who train these bloodhounds are like, no, 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 no. That's not how that works. They could pick up on her trail at least and follow it to a region. So there's all of this like unknown and then also how did a person who was so skilled in hiking who is used to the outdoors get lost for 26 days and eventually die of exposure and starvation like you're not 26 days away from the from anywhere she was within two different trailheads yeah. So it was very close, very easy for her to have been found, whether by herself or someone else finding her. It was just very strange Now there's no thought of foul play um, because of the way that they found her remains and everything. But it's just this is the, the beginning point where I then started to descend into the work of David Politis. Yes. The missing, who has an entire
0: 411
1: correct this entire series of books there's eight books that he has written documenting thousands of strange unexplained missing people through the missing 411 um, book series and phenomenon now that's just the most mundane one and that's already weird and unexplainable there's other ones where um, there was a, a small child uh, some of them get a little disturbing which we won't go into in this show. It's not the appropriate time or place, but there's some of them... Relevant After Dark. That's Relevant After Dark. Um, that's the uh, premium podcast that you can pay us extra for. <laughs> we do. Um, but no, there's one where there was a, a small boy who uh, ended up being missing from his home in the dead of winter during the middle of a blizzard, and this was out in like, I, gosh, I think it was like the 30s or the 40s that this happened, and they ended up uh, mounting on some horses and going on a journey, and they ended up finding the Boy, like five miles away, completely naked, um, with but without a single mark on his body and not cold at all. He was warm to the touch still. And what, sorry, Jesse,
0: I was gonna say, yeah, these, these, you know, oh, sorry, I'll let you finish this particular story. I'm just gonna talk about the work of David Polite's.
1: Right. So they um they they found his his body completely untouched, unharmed, uh, and he was still alive and he was totally warm. He wasn't cold. They picked him. They dragged him up in order to get to where he was, though. They had to cross like two streams, uh, cross a barbed wire fence, go through some like uh, mucky, muddy area and stuff. And this child was completely like clean. Um, they also, another interesting one is in 1977, there's a man by the name of Steve Kubaki who was a cross country skier, avid skier. He went off skiing and, uh, one day he, he stopped to rest. And by the time he had, um, uh, was finished resting, he, he looked up to find his ski tracks and he could not see his ski tracks anywhere around him to find his way back hmm. to the trail. And, um, he uh, he got really scared and frustrated and started trying to do like uh, the concentric circles to try to find the trail. So he was going in larger and larger paths and he couldn't find it and he was getting tired and exhausted and he found a little uh, nook under under a, a rock wall that he hid himself un- under and actually fell asleep and he woke up, his next memory is he wakes up in a field with spring flowers, the sun is out and shining. There's a backpack next to him that has some other person's uh, clothes and shoes and glasses in it. And he... um he, he's totally disoriented, so he gets up and he, he finds a trail very quickly, walks into the local town, and he was skiing in Michigan, and uh, he, when he gets into the local town, he asks them where he's at, and they say he's in uh, a small town in Massachusetts. Now, this small town in Massachusetts uh, happens to be where some family members of him live, and he goes to their house, and they freak out. They start crying and screaming because he had been missing for over 14 months and he has no recollection wow. of the time between Whoa. him falling asleep in the snow and waking up in the daisies. Now, this is the 70s. Yeah. But 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 you know, if someone wants
0: to go, you know, go down a rabbit hole of more of these stories, there's an entire series you can watch on YouTube, there's a documentary on Hulu. And what this investigator believes is that the National Park Service is covering something up. That for decades there's something now, people, paranormal going on. It's very strange. People have gone missing under extremely odd circumstances. Uh, a lot of time, missing time is a big part of these disappearances. Uh, you know, the it's the, like I said. You can go watch, go down the missing four one one YouTube rabbit hole, and you might not come back out. Now, JD, yes. these the, the the implications are there is something beyond our explanation. That is happening in the in the national forest, according to uh, you know David Polites himself doesn't won't say that. He just presents the evidence of the most mysterious cases. Right. Do you have a theory that ties the, these odd, pa- seemingly paranormal exp- occurrences to some sort of worldview that is in line with like orthodox understandings of of faith?
1: So. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Um, there are theories about, um, the, uh, one of the popular theories is that <laughs> it's a string of Bigfoot abductions. Uh, one of the theories is obviously that these are alien abduction cases. Mm. Uh, some of them have to do with uh, like slipstreams streams in uh, reality or multiple dimension uh, occurrences and stuff. And here's, here's what I will say. I don't necessarily know if I land anywhere on any of those exact places. However, I feel like one of the things, and we talked about this a little bit last time, that's interesting to me is that the uh, world of Christianity and the, the mystical faith that it, it truly is um, acknowledges and embraces the idea of a universe and a God that controls it, that is much larger and wider than we currently understand or comprehend. And that our, our materialistic, like scientific, reasoning is, is good to some extent. It's good to help us like function in the world, but there are things that we either haven't understood yet about it or that are, that it is, it is beyond, uh, beyond its, its reach at the moment, at least at present tense. And I think that, these scenarios, especially ones that talk about, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion now scientifically about the existence of a multiverse and like transdimensional properties with uh, small atoms and everything, and a lot of the things that you see happen in scripture, like the transportation of, of Philip, uh, is is very mm-hmm. interesting. And I mean, you have this scenario where um, you know Philip's on his way, and then he gets transported and ends up meeting a a eunuch who on this on his journey and baptizing him and converting him uh, into christianity and so you have in the bible even these stories of like radical missing time transportation teleportation so you have a scenario where the these missing 411 cases or these things of of this kind of paranormal um experience do it's not that they it's not that you can find a direct one for one in the Bible, but I feel like the Bible creates a worldview that can definitely include things like the missing four, one, one questions and and things. And I, and I do find it interesting um, that um, that, in general, Christianity has kind of avoided kind of the more mysterious <laughs> uh, aspects of itself um, uh, because we we definitely acknowledge and serve a God who is, to use the, the phrase in the correct way, paranormal. It's not yeah. normal. It's yeah. the way that he interacts with us and his creation is beyond normalcy. Either that or we just need to reframe our understanding of what normal is. So yeah. if you want the rabbit hmm. hole... David Pilates, Missing 411. Also read the story of Philip and the eunuch.
0: Interesting. Well that'll do it. Chyler shut your mouth. Why <laughs> close eyes? <out this. laughs> Chandler, cue the music. Who, what, where, when, why, how? <laughs> I don't know. Neither does JD, and Tyler <laughs> Schmacek doesn't. He knows I messed up. That'll do it for another edition of Strange. Wow, what a job I did! Wow, I know. Thank you wow. guys. Wow. Thank you. I know I did yeah, really well. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow, that was very good. So I'm glad we did that this was... week because I really <laughs> teed it up well. I, you know. I feel like JD did an excellent job, but it was really because the hype man came out and set the stage. So, wow. What a job. What I a do. job to, I, I to think me. That to me.
2: <laughs> you, did, you did fine. You did fine. I think that wrangling, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to ride a horse and wrangle it at the same time. Um, <laughs> I'd give if, you a if, medium, you know, yeah, yeah I think if, it was
0: you, not the horse. I don't care. I don't care. Friend, I, don't care. I don't care what your burner account says. I can do both. <laughs> we'll see. Fine. I'm sure <laughs> I can, I can, I can to hear more. I trust the judgment of our
2: listeners absolutely after earlier this week and saying this. So I I have no doubt that they will level the correct judgment on this segment as well. I think most of them
0: are delusional and I think they don't know what a good podcast would be if one was sent to their iPhone every week with a competent host and then suddenly some hat comes in and locks his way through the first episode. Let's see how they're going to do now, Cowboy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I suppose with that
2: we had better wrap it up because Jesse and I have some things we need to discuss <laughs> off the go. <laughs> uh, many thanks to John Mark Comer for joining. John Mark Comer's book, "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry: How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World," is available for pre-order now. Also, you can pick up your copy of "Double Blessing." That's in bookstores everywhere as well. Don't forget to check out Cult. Uh, that is also available. You can just head over to our Apple podcast page and subscribe to Cult. Uh, while you're there, subscribe to Relevant Daily as well. Relevant Daily is your uh, daily 10-minute catch-up on the intersection of faith and culture that's hosted by me. Uh, you can also subscribe... To the relevant magazine, we do have a print magazine that comes out here. Uh, issue 101 is shipping right now, and that'll do it for all of us. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm the String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John David Harris. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend.
0: I don't know. Neither does JD. And Tyler sure as heck doesn't. He
3: knows almost nothing.
5: Relevant Podcast Network.